Ion 2020 episode 338. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In, in an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Eye on 2020. Appreciate you joining me for another look at the 2020 election. We are in the final countdown to the election day and then also the chaos that just might ensue after the election. And I am just uh, interested to know and really happy that this is about to be over and I'm not going to have to listen to political commercials anymore, that the entire talk of the entire day on everything is Donald Trump versus Joe Biden and just the people that are just taking digs at each other, the candidates going back and forth. It's been an interesting race. I would say that I would have never expected things to be where they are today when I started this thing January 2019 and started doing the podcast uh, looking at the 2020 elections. But uh, yeah, here we are. We're one day away, and it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow with the election. I think there's been about 90 million people that have voted already, which you only get about 130 to 140 million people that vote every election. I think it's more closer to that 130 million mark. It seems to me that this election just might get more people out to vote, though. And I think there's just a lot of uh, tension between the two sides. I think that the two political parties have really convinced people that they need to vote for one of these two candidates, whether it's Donald Trump or whether it's Joe Biden. Joe Biden is promising to bring things back to the way they used to be. He's trying to, you know, just show that he's going to be a good, solid person for the future, that he's the person that can lead this country out of the coronavirus, that he's the person that can kind of be stability in an unstable world and all that. And then Donald Trump, his declaration right now is that, you know, if you go ahead and vote for Joe Biden, you're going to be looking at a world where socialism runs rampant, that he's going to be controlled by the Democrats and not just the Democrats, but the very left wing side of the Democrats. And I've just been thinking about that. And I just don't think that if you end up with a Trump presidency or a Biden presidency, I don't know that things are going to change that much as they are. I don't think that it's really even that important who is the president of the United States because the deep state is still there. And I've been thinking about it a lot. You are going to be in a situation on January 30th, you know, 10 days after the inauguration, and you're still going to have the same $26 trillion in debt sitting there. 
None of the parties care about that. None of the candidates care about that. Nobody talks about the debt whatsoever. No one talks about having a balanced budget. These people do not care at all. They just want to spend, spend, and spend a little bit more. They don't prepare for a rainy day. They don't think that there's any good in trying to balance the budget because, to be honest, it doesn't, I mean, people aren't going to vote based upon a a balanced budget. They're really not. They want to get, they want to vote based upon what are you going to get for me? What are you going to do for me today? What are you going to do for me in the future? What are you going to promise to give to me? Are you going to promise to give me tax cuts? Then I'll vote for you. And people will vote a Republican based upon that. Are you going to promise to give me better uh, outcomes for my business? Then yeah, I'm going to vote for you. Are you going to promise to give me some sort of subsidy? Or some sort of, uh, are you going to promise to make the economy better? That's what we're going to be voting for you on. So then it's your responsibility at that point to make the economy better. However you can do it with the state control of the government. Whatever it takes. It really comes down to that. It's the, it's the, it's the politician that promises the most that seems to win. And everyone has their different way of doing it. The Democrats go about it. They want to have different social welfare programs. They want to have different you know, Medicare for all. Ultimately, they want to have a single-payer health care system. They want to promise free college tuition. All you saw was that in the debates for the Democrats last year. They want to give free... I mean, they, they have a list of things that they want to do that are going to just rack up more and more of that debt. So they don't care about the debt. They could care less. After inauguration, after the inauguration, no matter who it is, Donald Trump or if it's Joe Biden, we're still going to be staring at $26 trillion in debt or more, even more by then, I'm sure. You're going to be staring at a situation where they're trying to pass another $3 trillion bill through Congress and into the Senate with very few people that are raising their voices against it. And you're going to be staring at just an uncontrolled debt. I mean, if you really look at the debt, not just the debt that the that is sitting there on that board that you always see in New York City, or if you go to the debt, you know, the nationaldebt.com or whatever, .org or whatever that one is, and you look at that national debt of 26, maybe $27 trillion, there is way more to that debt than just that 26 to $27 trillion. What else is there? There's unfunded liabilities. The government has to pay Social Security for people that are retiring. That is, you know, I think it's like $1 trillion a year. A trillion dollars a year going out to retirees who are retiring. So take that into account for the next 10 years. That's another $10 trillion on top of that. Medicare, unfunded liability. You have to pay for the retirees' medicine. When they reach reach 65, that's what the government has decided to do. That's what the government has taken on. That's part of the federal government that we have now. That's an unfunded liability of even more trillions of dollars. Who knows how many trillions of dollars that is? Let's say another 10 to $15 trillion. I've heard the number on that debt 
including the unfunded liabilities over the next however many years, is going to be racked up to $100 trillion. Things that you know you have to pay. For example, I have a unfunded liability right now of my mortgage, right? I'm paying X amount of dollars on a mortgage every single month. So I know that that's what my debt is. Same, that's the same thing with your Social Security. There's no real idea of how much that's going to cost over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Same thing with Medicare. But those are things that the government has guaranteed. So they're going to continue to print money, borrow money in tax in order to cover that, cover that tab. They're going to have to. There's no, other, there's no other way out of it unless some really bold politician comes and says, we can't do this anymore and tries to figure out a way to take people's retirement and make it their own private retirement. But that is not a popular idea. So whoever it is, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, in January after Inauguration Day, you're going to be looking at the same trillions upon trillions of dollars in debt. Does that person have a lot of control of where of of the spending, of where that money is going to go, of passing budgets? Not really. The Congress passes the budget. The House of Representatives passes the budget. It goes from the House to the Senate and then onto the president's desk and that person signs it. And it's a fight every single time, especially when it's a Republican in office versus Democrats or vice versa. So trillions upon trillions of dollars will be spent. Trillions upon trillions of dollars will be borrowed. And all of that money is money that is going on to that debt. So what are we going to have? We're going to have the same thing no matter who it is. What else? What else? We're still going to have a military that's spending a trillion dollars a year. We're still going to have that. We're still going to have a military that has bases in hundreds of countries around the world. We're still going to have that. We're still going to have an interventionist foreign policy that says that we're going to get involved in wars overseas and send our troops over there to die. And more and more, it's less of the troops, it's more of the drones. But what does that do? More drone bombings? That creates, I would say that that creates more enemies because it's just, you get dropped a a bomb out of the sky. You're just sitting there at your, you know, at your brother's wedding and all of a sudden boom you're dead and who all those people that are around there that know about that happening say what the heck is going on we have america drone bombing our country i would say that and i've heard this said before and many many military people will attest to it that for every one person you kill they have brothers sisters and cousins who become a little bit more willing to strap a bomb around their around their waist and go blow themselves up on a bus or on an airplane or wherever. You create more enemies. You create somebody that wants to fight Americans. It's just the way it is. If if somebody came over here and I mean they did. They came over here and they and they got onto airplanes and they flew them into the towers on 9-11 and all of America was united. All of America was, was united to go over there and do that. What if America didn't have that kind of power, though? What if, it, what if America was this tiny little country that that happened to? 
and a terrorist came over here and and bombed you know bombed the two tallest buildings in our country and we didn't have a lot of power you would create so many enemies though so many people we would figure out a way to go over there and make that happen to go over there and fight them we would who who's to say that they're not doing that to us for us right now with all of that stuff happening and you have the you have the the soldiers over there and they're still going to be there on January in January after the elect, or after the inauguration of whoever it is Donald Trump or Joe Biden you're still going to be sitting there looking at an interventionist foreign policy that's controlled not really by the person in office. You know why I know that? You know why I know it's not controlled by the person in office? Because Barack Obama ran on the idea of ending the foreign interventions, ending Iraq, ending Afghanistan. He ran as a somewhat anti-war candidate. Not completely, pragmatic. But when he got into office, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. He didn't even end, like, close down Guantanamo Bay like he said he was going to. So there is a, I hate to say it, deep state apparatus in there that's controlling the string, that's controlling what's going on. There really is. You know that because Barack Obama made a lot of promises and didn't deliver really didn't they are controlled by the special interests the companies that are going to make money profiteering off of war the politicians are going to keep on writing that budget with a trillion dollars going towards the pentagon and then the pentagon spends that money on warplanes on ships on soldiers on boots for those soldiers, on soap for those soldiers, on the food for those soldiers. All of those contractors have got to get their piece of the pie. And if that goes away, if that goes away so over time, that was that's great. That's a good thing. But it's not going to because all of those people that are service in the military, all of those people that want to make sure that those checks keep rolling in from the federal government have lobbyists in Washington to make sure that that does not go away. So they have to do something. They have to rationalize it. They have to show that there's a need. And that need is the drug war. That need is Russia. That need is China. The fear of the boogeyman. That, that fear is Al-Qaeda and ISIS. And whatever the next extremist terrorist group is that we have to go after with a so with a war policy that's based upon World War II with 50, 60, 70, 80,000 troops. When really, if there's really terrorists there and you find them, you could use you could use the CIA, you could use these different intelligence agencies that you have to find them, locate them, and go after them with some with some, you know, special ops. I mean, I'm no military guy. I'm not going to give a strategy on how to do it. I'm just saying that if there is a group of 50 terrorists that are plotting a plotting something, 50,000 soldiers ain't going to help. <laughs> you know? So we need to end 
the foreign interventions. We need to end the policy that says that we need to be the world police. But that's not going to happen, no matter who it is. It didn't happen under other Barack Obama. Donald Trump generally was good. He, they say his heart's in the right place. I've even said his heart's in the right place. But he has the deck stacked against him because of that deep state apparatus that's in there, out there. I guarantee it. He hasn't really drawn down the troops. He actually increased the number of troops in Afghanistan and in Iraq, but then brought them back down to the same levels that they were at. And he talks about peace in Afghanistan. It hasn't happened, but he's supposedly trying. He's talked about peace in Iraq. He says he's gotten rid of ISIS, but there's still soldiers over there in, in Syria. He hasn't ended the foreign interventions. And on top of that, this war that's in Yemen that's going on, he's sell, selling the Saudis plenty of missiles and bombs and helping them to continue the travesty that's going on over there in Yemen. So whoever it is, whoever it is that gets elected tomorrow, it's still going to be the same. It's still going to be the same. That's where the money's spent, guys. Social Security. The military. Medicare. Those are the, un- those are the things that two-thirds of the budget goes towards. Two-thirds of the budget goes to those. Okay? Those are things that we can't control. Those are things that they, no matter what, they're not going to be able to change those things. It goes towards medicine. It goes towards Medicare, Social Security, and the military. What else isn't going to change after after the next person gets elected. Well, there's still going to be division. There is still going to be the same divide between the Republicans and the Democrats. It got really bad under George Bush. It got really bad under Barack Obama. It got even worse under Donald Trump. And that's not Donald Trump's fault specifically, but he eggs it on. He eggs it on. So it's kind of his fault in some ways, but it's not his fault that it started. The, the two parties are completely divided. They're going to stay divided. You know why? Because it's in their benefit to stay divided. It's in their benefit to keep people from seeing the truth, which is that they're not doing what they promised to do and that they're not even worth voting for. But if they continue to divide the people, if they continue to get them voting against the Democrats or voting against the Republicans, that's how they stay in power. give this illusion that they're doing something, but don't let them see that they're spending a trillion dollars on war every year, that they're spending a trillion dollars on this and that and another thing, that Social Security is going away whether you like it or not, and or they're going to just keep on printing money until the, the dollar is worth crap and keep on borrowing, spending, and borrowing, and spending, and, and you know, not using a balanced budget or anything, not caring about the balanced budget, nothing. They don't care, but they have to keep you in this illusion that Democrats are bad or Republicans are bad. They're evil. They come from an evil place. And if they could convince you of that, then you don't see what they're not doing. They don't want you to see that. So there's still going to be division. There's still going to be division, whoever gets elected. Joe Biden puts together this plan that he's going to bring the people together, that he's going to unite the people. 
But his party is not a uniting party. He can try to unite all he wants. But they have a different agenda than what a Republican has. Or somebody that has, that believes in the Republican Party. Someone that believes in this heart of hearts that they're going to be, like the, the normal Republican voter. That's what I mean by that. Not the Republican that's running for office. The normal Republican voter. They believe that the government should be smaller and maybe spend a little bit less. They believe in a safety net, of course. But they believe that they should have less taxes. That maybe the poor people should work their way up. Because the poor are not always stuck being poor. The poor is not a stagnant group of people. Most people, if you have 100 people and 15 of them are poor... 80 of them are middle class and five of them are rich. Over the course of a lifetime period, those 15 who are poor will likely come into the middle class category. And some of those middle class people will fall into the poor category. It's just the way it is. There's not, the poor is not a person. It's a, it's a status. And maybe the Republicans truly believe that you can work your way up to the top. But they believe it in their hearts. Same thing with a Democrat. A Democrat believes certain things about that government should provide. They think that health care is a human right or something like that. So they really think that the government should provide it. And you make an argument, oh, well, the government won't provide it better than the free market will, blah, blah, blah. That goes in one ear and out the other because they don't see that. They truly believe that the government should provide it. Because it's better than what we have now. But they don't realize what, they don't realize the way that you might see it or someone else might see it. But they believe it in their heart. It's not coming from an evil place. Just like the Republicans aren't saying, oh, I just hate poor people, so I want to have them all killed. I want to take everything away from them. No, people have reasons for their beliefs on these things. And normally, it comes from good intentions. But the... Democrat Party and the Republican Party, they're going to use that to divide the people. They're still going to try to divide. It, it works to keep them in power because it really comes down to power. So Joe Biden, trying to be the uniter in chief, he doesn't see it from their perspective on the other side. He doesn't understand their perspective. He's not seeking to understand their protective perspective. He's going to say, we need, I know the right way to do things. I, I mean, you hear it all the time. Politicians always say it, that they know better than you do. That, look at my solution to the problem. I'm going to fix the problems. And it's so egotistical to say that. Like Joe Biden's motto is, build back better. Well, who are you to say what's better, Joe? Make America great again? Well, who are you to say, Donald Trump? What's going to make America great again? I would say that the people of America are the ones that will make America great again or build it back better. But they'll build it back better with what they want it to be built with, not what you think it is, which is solar panels and windmills and electric cars and subsidies that go to those companies and uncounted amounts of debt. I mean... That's what these people talk about when they say it. Whenever they say there's a promise that they're making, that's what they do. But they're still talking about division because they don't know better than you do on how to run your life. But they think they do. 
both the Republicans and the Democrats think that they do. So it'll all be, it'll still be very similar, you know, there'll be a different slight direction on where it's going to go. But I'll be honest with you, people like the status quo. They like very slow movements of what up towards a end goal. Now, the best thing that can happen tomorrow, the best thing that can happen is that whoever becomes elected, whether it's a Democrat or Republican for the presidency, whether it's Donald Trump or whether it's Joe Biden, I would generally say the best thing that can happen is that the House and the Senate, one or the other, at least, goes to the party that is not the executive. So if you have a Republican House and a Republican Senate, then it's probably better that Joe Biden wins. And if you have a Democrat House and Democrat Senate, it's probably best that Donald Trump wins. Now, I don't think that Donald Trump has any sort of ideology whatsoever. And I think if he wins, he's going to go straight Democrat and do all that they want to do because he just wants a legacy for himself. And he's going to say, I'm going to create Trump care. Get on board. What do you want? I don't think he's really fiscally conservative or conservative at all. I think he's just playing to his base, well, he's not going to need to get reelected. And the only thing that would keep him from doing that and staying nice, Mr. So-called conservative-ish or try to cater to those voters is to preserve a legacy for his kids or something like that. So we'll see. But hey, guys, that's all I got for you. Whatever happens tomorrow, I would say, you know what? Just keep on going to work and doing what you do because not a lot's going to change. They're going to tell you it's going to change, but it's not. It's not. You're still going to work hard. They're still going to take your money out of your taxes. They're still going to try to control your life. They're still going to overspend. They're still going to look to divide. The best thing you could probably do is just turn off that TV for a little while. So anyway, I appreciate you. I'm going to go ahead and do a show on probably Wednesday morning, I'll do a show after the election's over with just to kind of uh, tell you guys and give you a recap of what happened on election day. And then also I'll keep these shows going until they actually know who the president's going to be. And then we'll go on from there as well. All right. So I appreciate you joining me. Go ahead and give me a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes if you can, or on Apple Podcasts. I'm sorry. You can do that uh, by giving a five-star rating and review. It just helps with the algorithms so I can be shown as a libertarian podcast when people search. And then also, if you'd like to follow me on Facebook, you can do that. And on Twitter, that'll be on I on the Empire. You can type that into Facebook and Twitter. You can also go to I on the Empire.com. All right. And I just want to do one more clarification piece. Somebody has sent me a message uh, that said that I got some information wrong about Pennsylvania as well. That's the last thing I'll talk about real quick. And uh, I thought that Pennsylvania was going to be able to count votes up until Friday, whether they're postmarked on the 3rd or not. And I think that what he, that what this person said to me or sent me was just showing that they have to be at least postmarked for the 3rd and they have to be out by 8 p.m. on the 3rd. So they have to be postmarked 8 p.m. on the 3rd in order to be counted even afterwards. So uh, just a little clarification there. I thought it would be, I thought it was um, different because I, heard that, and maybe I read it somewhere, that the Supreme Court did of Pennsylvania did not um, put that in their write-up, that it has to be postmarked specifically, but
but apparently in the rules for Pennsylvania, it is written there. So that's just a little clarification from, I think it was last Monday's show. I got the, they got the facts wrong. So I'm sorry about that. But uh, anyway, I appreciate you guys and keep on tuning in. All right. Uh, If you want to go ahead and tune in on Wednesday for that show, I'm going to do so you can have clear vision for 2020. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life, and I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism, and if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom, and you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty.